Welcome to Two Steps Ahead Podcast. I'm Son Edom, alongside my partner, who uh, still thinks it's Halloween. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm Tara Hoke-Ciro. How you doing? Hey, so, um, have some money. Uh, how much money do you need? hundred. A hundred dollars? Well, I need Dude. to get my hair done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get my hair done. Yeah, let me see how I much need, hair you're going to get done. I need to get my hair done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's uh what uh what I mean you know, I haven't been to the barber obviously in forever probably the early 90s what's a haircut go for these days you know like like a dude's haircut A dude's haircut is anywhere is it like from like 6 to 8 bucks or has it gone up No I think it's 16 to 40 depending on if you're getting the shave and the really? the hot um rag right. and the you know all wow. the fancy schmancy stuff but women I just had my hair done 2 days ago 160 bucks but that's color right. and cut right. and style. Right. Blow dry? Yes. I remember one time, I think it was Super Cuts. Do you remember Super Cuts? Yes. When Super Cuts came out, it was like, okay, you can get a wash, and that was like X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. Then you get the cut, which was X amount more, mm-hmm. and then you can get a blow dry. It's the same. You but can now still... you can just walk out of there with a wet head of hair, yeah. and it's less because you don't get the blow, you know, the right. blow dry. I know people that do that. Really? They yeah. walk out with a wet, wet, wet head of hair? Yes. Wow. Yes. So what about, okay, so you pay a lot for your hair. I don't pay anything. <laughs> what about, let's say, and you're not giving me $100 to get my hair cut. Okay, we determined that. So what about, let's say, um, go to a convenience store, okay? And you go in, you get your energy drink or your coffee or whatever it is you're going to get, okay? And then there's like the person that's maybe less fortunate sitting outside and asking for some funds, what do you do? Do you give them? Or I do you like look at them and like give them the finger? Yeah, I typically, if I'm walking down the street, I typically don't, I don't like to dig in my purse in public because I'm afraid that someone's going to walk by when I'm, you know, fumbling through money or whatever. Right. I just, I don't feel comfortable doing that. So if there's city, if I'm walking on the sidewalk, now my husband, on the other hand, will do that. And it, it cost him so, we were not, not, um, where were we? Some, not Atlanta. I forget. It was a downtown area recently, and it cost him like 20 bucks just to walk down the street because there were so many the, uh, homeless yeah. people, and he was giving money to every person that went by. If someone is standing on the side of the of the freeway, on the exit ramps, because here in California, they're, that's oh, just everywhere. the thing. Yeah. I will hand them a bottle of water or a bottle of- Whiskey? Uh, <laughs> not whiskey. The vitamin water, Gatorade. They probably hate you. Or water. They love me. Oh, really? Yeah. They like that. They actually like that. So, really? They're so grateful. Yeah, always. Really? I always hand them a bottle of water because they're hot. They're standing out there on their, you know, for hours. And they, yeah, they totally appreciate it. So when the first uh, freeway exit panhandler started, mm-hmm. I think, if I remember correctly, it was either a rumor or the news did a... Uh, a feature on one of them, mm-hmm. kind of like a, a, a you know a David Goldstein going to spy on them and mm-hmm. see what they do, mm-hmm. and the guy would sit there and panhandle, and then he'd get into his like BMW and drive off. See, now I'm I hate that story. I've heard that story yeah. and so many times because that's the story that people tell yeah. as an excuse not to, not to give. give. Yeah, right. So that is few and far between. There are people that do that, but it's few and far between. But the the general the general population of people standing there are really in need. There was one time. Years ago, I was working in Pasadena, mm-hmm. and I was walking the streets, and I'd walk the streets regularly. No, I wasn't hooking. <laughs> I was going to say no, you. <laughs> I wasn't a prostitute. Street walker. No. And so I, I'd get to see, see some people. I just moved back from, uh, from Nebraska, so I was working part-time at a radio station. Hadn't quite gotten full-time yet, so I needed an extra income. So I was working as a city guide, like a, um, you know. For, like a tour for, guide? No, no, just like it. They call them guides, but you were more like security for Old Town Pasadena. But you would just kind of walk around if people wanted to know, you know, where something was. Okay. You know, go cheesecakes down that way. No, the Rose Bowl's not anywhere near here. Um, no, this isn't, you know, passing to Texas. You know, whatever. <laughs> so you, you, you kind of let them know. And then if there was like any type of emergency, you know, maybe you'd be the first responder because, um, you know, you were right there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I was this guy. And so you get to know the, the panhandlers, mm-hmm. you know, the, the people that would sit there begging for money and that was mainly the big thing that you had to deal with was complaints about aggressive panhandling so you'd be the first one over there to try to defuse the situation because you know passing the police had way too much other stuff to do right. besides you know panhandlers harassing so that would be the main thing dealing with the homeless and so I remember talking to one guy got to him pretty good and asked him hey do you ever want to get a job he's like why would I 
like I don't know why he goes. He told me I think if I remember correctly, he made like forty grand a year panhandling. Mm. So why would I do anything else? I have mm-hmm. to set my own hours, set my own time, mm-hmm. and I make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, dude, I'm in the wrong job. I'm making like eight <laughs> bucks an hour, and you're panhandling. I'm going to start hanging out with you. Um, but no, it was just kind of interesting because here somebody was able to, if it was true, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, but he was able to say that he was able to make a comfortable living doing just panhandling, mm-hmm. and so why would he want to get a job? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, too, which, because I don't really carry cash, so when people walk by, and they ask for money. I sometimes feel bad because I'm like, you know. Yeah, I don't carry a lot yeah. of cash either. But I'll be like, hey, if you're hungry, I'll buy you something. Like, mm-hmm. like the other day, I was down in uh, LA Live, and some guy, some random kid, it was really bizarre. Some random kid came up to me. He's like, hey, can you buy me a hamburger? Hmm. I'm like, where's a hamburger joint around here? Yeah. And there apparently is one. So I'm like, okay. So you know, I got him, got him some food, and I'm like, you know, and then he's like, thank you. I'm like, that's fine. You know, so things like that, I I will do. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to do that to pat myself on the back, but it's mm-hmm. like you know, if you're hungry, mm-hmm. absolutely. But I just don't carry cash, and so it's like giving giving people out uh, money like that. It's just it's hard to do sometimes, and you just have to watch them. But I always will try to talk to them, not like engage in conversation, but hey, how's it going? Have a nice day. So I don't have anything because mm-hmm. I think part of it too is that we look at them and we look down on people like right. that, and we think of them as a second class person, right. and oh, I'm offended that they even asked me, and so I'm not even going to look at them or give them the time of day. Well, Sometimes just even a, hey, how's it going? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just can't help right now. But you know what? Maybe next time, have a good day. Maybe that just makes their day. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but just something like that. What about um, ever let somebody borrow your car for a period of time? I have. Did you get um, it back? Not, did I get it back? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did get it back. Um, yeah, you know, t- trying to decide, you know, how to help people is is because we do, we get our, our judgments in the way and we start, there's a story that there was a lady that came up to me at the gas station one time. She was in this beautiful Indian type um, wardrobe, you know, the, the bright colors and the, there was like a sequin here and there and, and she was just beautiful. She had a child with her and she said, um, I need money to get to, I, I left San Diego, I'm on my way to San Francisco and we need to put gas in the car. So I immediately, uh, now we've helped the homeless people. My, my husband is, has been on the board of directors at the local homeless shelter. He cooks every Saturday. You know, he did for a while during the winter season for 20 years. We've donated a lot financially. Um, so we're in that circle of knowing some of the people that are kind of coming and going. And so my um, radar was immediately up with this woman, like something didn't sound right. And I said, I don't have any um, cash, which was true. I don't carry a lot of cash. And she's, and I said, you know, there's a local homeless shelter here, right? And she said, oh, I don't need a homeless shelter. We're just going up to the next, you know, city and, and we need to, you know, I just need to put gas in the car. And I said, well, why would you? And so here's, here's the people were laughing at me when I was telling them the story later. I started drilling this lady. I said, why would you leave San Diego knowing that you don't have enough money to make it all the way to San Francisco? And she said that she was with friends in San Diego, going to meet friends in San Francisco, like this whole thing. And I was just drilling her. And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Why would you leave knowing full well that you don't have enough money in your pocket? That doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's a scam. It was a scam that was happening up there. She was in her husband was in this um, van and they were just, you know, looking for money. They weren't actually homeless. So that type of thing, it jades people. It's like. You should have given her a pineapple. I know, right? <laughs> find home, find shelter right away with that upside down pineapple. Exactly, exactly. So, I, yeah. See, the other thing too, um, I remember growing up when I first was learning to drive hitchhikers. You never pick up hitchhikers, right? Okay, and so I completely ignored that. So I would pitch up, pick up hitchhikers all you the time. Did yeah, I'd pick them up all the time? Wow. So there was this one time, and I never really thought about it. You know, like I'm going to die or anything like that. Right. So one time I was living in Nebraska and I was doing radio. It was summer. And during the summertime, we had this, uh, they didn't have high school baseball, but they had American Legion baseball, which is high school aged baseball. And then we would travel to um, Colorado, South Dakota, Wyoming, uh, all through Nebraska. And we'd play games. And so I would be the play-by-play commentator for our radio station covering the games. And so sometimes I'd travel with the team on the bus or sometimes I'd drive. So one time I was in uh, South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. No, I'm sorry, Rapid City, South Dakota, because Rapid City's on the uh, west side. And I'm going to um, a town in Wyoming. 
um, not Sturgis, but just beyond Sturgis. And so um, I'm driving. It's late at night. And there's like out there on the interstate, if you are familiar with Midwestern interstates, there's no lights. Like here in LA, there's like lights on the freeway so you can see where you're going. Yeah. Out there, there's no lights. It's just the moon or your headlights. That's and that's where it. the term BFE comes from, out in the middle of BFE. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's where it was. So I'm driving on the interstate and there's nobody out there except me. And I'm usually traveling in the inside lane, which is the you know closest to the inside meridian, which there is no meridian. It's just, you know, grass. But I happen to be on the outside lane, which would be toward like the exit lane. And I drive by something and I swear I I hit something. Oh, no. But I didn't feel any thud or anything. But I'm like, dude, something just went by. First thing I'm thinking is like E.T. came home. <laughs> so I whip it around and I come back. And again, you know, I just did a, a circle on the freeway because nobody's out there. Nobody's coming. Right. And with somebody's coming, you can see eight miles down the road because it's so flat. So I circle back and I, and I, and I come back up. And I, I'm going slow. I have the headlights on. And there's like this person just walking oh basically on the side of the interstate. And there's nothing around. I kid oh, you not. When wow. we say nothing, I, you can't. if you've never been outside of Southern California, you don't <laughs> fathom nothing. Imagine going from Staples Center to Disney, Disneyland, and have nothing around. Yeah. Okay? I mean, there's nothing. So, um, so I pull over. And, I'm, and, and the person's walking towards the car. And I crack the window. And it's a girl. It's a lady. Mm. And I'm like, hey, you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, where are you going? She's like, I'm going to, I forget what it was, Douglas, Wyoming or whatever. Mm. And I'm like, well, I'm going just beyond that. Do you want to, do you need a ride? And she's like, well, I don't know. Can I trust you? I'm like, can I trust you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? And so, and so I'm like, well, what happened? Why are you out here all by yourself? Because, I mean, literally it's miles. I mean, right. 10 miles, 15 miles from anything. Right. How did you get out here? And so she said that she was with her boyfriend or whatever, and he was a biker, and you know they got you know mad fought, and oh, so he no. kicked her off the bike, and oh. so she has her bags, and she's walking to this town that she was going to go to, which I guess she has friends or family. Oh shoot! So I'm like, well, okay, it's up to you. You know, uh, I'll give you a ride if you want to. Uh, if you don't, I can maybe and, and see. I might have had a cell phone. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I might have had a cell phone. I said, if you want, maybe I can call. Because in Nebraska at the time, cell phones were just starting to come into play. Well, there's probably not a signal. Way well, out that's there the other either. thing too. So there were some of those things. So it's like it was something like that. It's like you know, I can maybe go the next town. I forget. I forget what the whole thing was because it's been a number of years. But it was something like that. It's like you know, if you don't, I can maybe go find somebody and contact you know CHP or Wyoming Highway Patrol and you know whatever. She's like, no, I'll. Uh, no, I'll take a ride. So she gets in and she has these bags. And I'm like, well, if you're more comfortable, you can put the bags in the back. But she's not, I'll just haul them because she wanted to bury herself under mm -hmm. her bags mm -hmm. for safety. You know, yeah. I got the signs. So we're driving and I'm just trying to make small talk with her and asking, so why did you know you get dumped off the bike? And so, you know, she's telling me the story. And, and so we started to drive and we started to drive and we finally, it, it was probably like an hour and a half to the next, to her destination. Mm -hmm. And then, so we get to her town and I'm like, what do you want me to drop you off at? And she's like, well, just, on the highway's fine. I'm like, okay, listen. Do you want? Are you seriously getting off in this town, or is there something else going on? Because you know, I'm still going down the road, and I can take you further if you want. And she's like, okay, fine. I really don't have any money. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, I'm supposed to meet somebody in this town, um, but they're not quite here yet because they're coming tomorrow. Because I was supposed to be with my boyfriend, and mm -hmm. we were going to get this, this, this. So I'm like, okay. Um, I'll tell you what. Why don't I get your room? You can stay the night in the room. And then I'm gonna take off, and then the rest is up to you. So how about I just give you a night? She's like, okay. So we found like some Super Eight or Motel Six, and you know whatever. So I was getting ready to leave, and I'm like, hey, anything else? You good? You're good. Okay, fine. Just bye. And she uh, hails me down. So I get in the car, and I have to kind of do like a U-turn mm -hmm. to exit. Mm -hmm. She hails me down. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? You okay? Everything okay? She's like, hey, I just want to say thank you because uh, I don't know what I would have done mm. being out there on the road, mm. and you know I can never repay you, but. What you did, you will never completely fully understand what you did. Mm -hmm. And to me, it kind of took me aback because to me it was like, I'm thinking, I'm just going to help someone out, but I'm not doing anything out of my way because I'm going that way anyways. I'm right. traveling down the road. Right. But the impact it had on her, and mm -hmm. again, being a biker bitch, if I can say that, I'm sure she's probably not treated well. Right. I mean, hell, she got kicked off the bike right. because of an argument. But yeah. So I'm sure awful. she was kind of leery about, <laughs> you know, me helping as a guy, this yeah. and that. Yeah. But she really appreciated it because somebody took the time to, you know, be kind to her and to help her. Now, again, not to say I'm, pat me on the back 
although I did a good job. Um, no, but it's it was just you, did, you never know the impact of how it's going to affect somebody if you just do something by helping them out a little bit. You know, here this lady is probably a hardened gal. I don't know, uh, not used to being treated nice, and mm-hmm. she actually came out of her way and stopped me to say, "Hey, you really appreciate you. You never understand what you did for me tonight. I can never pay you back, but just know it was." the world yeah who knows what happened to her you know yeah. after that because I, I left I took but off that's a that's a great story and that's an example of of the positive side of helping people that we we just truly don't know when we have a heart to give to people and we have a heart to help people you know just like the good Samaritan story you know that person got beat up and then the um, traveler you know paid for his medical expenses paid for his you know hotel um, so in those situations, um, it's a great example that we truly never know how much we impact people by helping them. But then there's a flip side of stories where we help people and it goes haywire. And then we're left questioning, when do we when do we help? When do we not help? When is it hurting? When are we hurting ourselves? When are we enabling them? Um, you know, it, get, it gets a little more tricky when and especially when our motive is involved like if our motive isn't in the right place that's a lot of times i guess when it goes haywire but um yeah and i think each person you have to decide for yourself what you want to do how you want to do it i remember one time i was you know again i don't carry cash but i was outside of a taco bell i was in the drive-thru i went to the drive-thru and it was kind of funny because I forgot my credit card somewhere, and so I made this order. I get to the front. I'm looking, you know, for my card. I can't find my card. I notice a guy there, you know, with a sign, you know, need need money for food or whatever. So I'm like, wow, my card. So I told the guy, I'm like, hey, I'll be right back. So I went, got my card, came back because the place I was at the time wasn't too far away. But this time, I grabbed a couple bucks off the the um, counter. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that dude might still be there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, let's just see. Let's just play this out. Because a lot of times what I like to do sometimes is I like to maybe give a couple bucks to kind of see what they do. Mm-hmm. Because everyone tells you what's going to happen. Don't give money. They're going to drink booze. They're going to go find drugs. We don't know that. So sometimes yeah. I'll give a little bit to see what the reaction is. Mm-hmm. So the guy's outside the Taco Bell. And so I get my order and I pull up and I give him uh, maybe three bucks. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The dude took it, and the first thing he did was ran inside the store, mm. uh, into the side of the Taco Bell. So obviously he wanted food. <laughs> then I felt bad. I'm like, yeah, I should have got him some more money. Yeah. But you never know. You know, you yeah. never know. So it's it goes back to the person. You just have to kind of figure for yourself: Is this? Do I feel comfortable helping? Do I want to help? Do I have the means to help? Yeah. Um, and then you just got to make your own decision, and not worry about what other people say because you don't know. Because yeah, and I think that if we're worried about what they're going to do with it then we're probably going down the wrong path but because there are stories where people are taking advantage they're making a lot of money panhandling other stories people go and they buy drugs and alcohol but it's the humanity that we're we're forgetting in those instances we're annoyed that they're not that they're putting us in a situation that we have to decide whether or not we want to give i mean deep down that's what's going on it's like oh this person is sitting there they're in my face and now i have to come to terms with myself am i going to look at them as a human being whose needs are just as valid as mine and am I going to help them out or am I going to look at them as, as an object and, and be annoyed that now I have to go through this process, a struggle within myself. Should I help? Should I not help? Um, and then we start rationalizing and justifying, well, you know, they want to be there. They're, they're going to use the money for the wrong reasons, so I'm not going to get up. So we start justifying. We need them to be to be bad so that we can justify not helping and we don't like having that argument in ourselves and so we just start we get annoyed that they're there you know in the first place but um one other story and then i'll move on to something else there was a um we don't we we can never discount how much help somebody how what it means to somebody we just can't we just don't know so there was a lady um sitting outside of a walmart and i saw her and and i thought okay let me um i have water in my car and for some reason this voice in my head said um you because and i was kind of like looking around my car i'm like i don't have anything to give her right because i love to give water and stuff and all i had was this bag of peanuts and for me for a snack and I thought, that's dumb. I'm not going to give her a bag of nuts. And for some, and this voice is just like, give her the bag of nuts. And it just wouldn't let, let go of me. So I'm like, oh, I hate this. So I, tur- I went in. I went around the parking lot. And I came out. And I said, hey, how you doing? And she had this dog with her. And I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I would love to help you. But the only thing that I have in my car is this bag of nuts. 
would you like to have it? And she like broke into tears and started crying. And she's like, my dog is so hungry and he loves nuts. Wow. And she says, thank you. Oh my gosh. And she says, and she, and then she turned to the dog. She's like, look, she called him by name. Look what I have for you. And he was all excited. Then she wanted to um, pray with me, which was weird. We're out on this public corner. She put her arms around me, grabbed me by the neck, and then and was sobbing and just started um, praying and, and thanking God for this bag of nuts. So we just never know like what we have to offer. It just seemed very awkward, you know, to me um, to do that. But we never know, you know, the impact that it's gonna that it's gonna have. And so I have learned to follow that voice. Sometimes I've given people food. I've come out of a restaurant before, and it's like, hey, turn left and. You know, there's this homeless person over there that that really wants. There was one guy that um, that that was like um, angry. He was a homeless person, and he was really like in a bad way, just super angry, like probably schizophrenic or something. And I started to approach him, and he starts yelling at me. He's like, "Don't come any closer! Don't come any closer!" And that voice in my head came in again and said, "It's chicken." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." So then I repeated it, "It's chicken," and he immediately stopped hmm. and calmed down. And and just like didn't know what to say, so I put the food down on the um, on the corner. I said at the sidewalk, I said it's chicken. I'm just gonna leave it right here. And I turned around and I walked back in my car. And then he just stood there and waited for me to drive away. And then he went and, mm-hmm. and got it. So I think you know from a humanity standpoint, we can definitely help people more than what we think that we can that are on the street. I mean, there are fellow human beings and they're in need. And and um, regardless of how they got there, regardless of what's keeping them there um i think it's our job to help but what about people that that like our family members our neighbors our kids our family you know people that are just so dysfunctional and you help them and it doesn't make it any better and you help them you know thinking that that if i just do this then maybe they'll stop drinking maybe they'll start using their money better maybe they'll be more responsible maybe they'll or even at work, you know, people that don't do their job. So then their coworkers like, oh, my gosh, if I don't do this, then, you know, the work's not going to move. So I have to do it. And then there's anger and resentment because we're not holding people accountable. So the flip side of helping people can be very toxic and can be very damaging because it, it can allow people to continue dysfunctional behavior. Well, one thing real quick before I get to that, which you brought up the point was the lady hugged you. OK, yeah. you, you allowed her to touch you, mm-hmm. okay, which is, I think one of the things that we do is we we dehumanize people that are on the street. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if she was clean or not. No. But it's like, <laughs> that, and that's the point, and sometimes what happens with people, I've noticed, is that they become so dehumanized themselves yeah. that because nobody wants, they're ostracized, nobody wants to touch them, right. nobody wants to interact with them. Obviously, everyone looks the other way because they don't want to be you know, bothered by them. Mm-hmm. And so just the mere fact, too, that she had human interaction or human contact, mm-hmm. I would imagine, had like a huge impact. Mm-hmm. But that's always the literary thing. It's like, I'm going to go, you know, the, the fist bumping thing now is cool so that, you know, you don't have to shake hands. Right. But even then, it's like, okay, I'm going to fist bump this guy and I'm going to end up with, you know, hepatitis yeah. or something, you know, because that's just the fear. Mm-hmm. But what we don't understand is that sometimes people are just needing that human touch. Right. For example, and, and then I'll segue into what you just mentioned. So when I was working at a radio station, the radio station you mentioned on the last podcast, KKLA, we would do a show, it was the Frank Sontag Show, and we would go down to uh, the Union Rescue Mission during Thanksgiving, and they would have a big turkey uh, meal for Thanksgiving, you know, turkey fest, but we would go down there and we'd broadcast from the uh, rescue mission uh, with Andy Bales and there'd be people down there and I'd watch the people interact from the homeless shelter with the homeless people Mm -hmm. and they treated them just like anybody else. They would yell at them if they got out of line, hey, you stay in line, what are you doing? Get out of line. Hey, you can't do that. You know, so they jump on them. Mm -hmm. They wasn't like, oh, it's okay, you know. Two, they had compassion on them. Oh, you need food? Yeah, get in line here. There's going to be food, you know, and, and they just treat them like people. Mm-hmm. And then they would go up and they'd like hug people. You know, they'd be giving these hugs. I'm thinking to myself, you guys are nuts. You guys probably are like a petri dish yeah. of all kinds of germs. But to them, I learned it didn't matter because they're people. Mm-hmm. You got to humanize them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes there are ramifications of that. I know Andy Bales, uh, you know, he lost his foot. I because, was going to say, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he, he, he had an infection. He had an infection from the streets. From the streets. Got and gangrene up, yep. and had to be amputated, yep. and, right? And, yeah, he said, cut it off. Yep. Um, so there are, uh, there are, 
risks. So don't get me wrong. Don't go around hugging everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but it's also the humanization of it. But here's the other thing. From that same trip, because we did it like I think three years, three or four years I was there, I started to notice that there was a lot of people with iPhones mm. on the streets. Mm. I'm thinking, hey, what's going on? How do these people have iPhones? They might have been the fancy ones, but everybody's got a cell phone. Right. You know, you can you can tell there's like degrees of people in need. There's the ones that have been on the streets for years. There's the ones that have been on the street for years and are probably not all there mentally. Right. Then there's like some normal looking people with iPhones and, and you know, earbuds. Up. So I, I started asking and they were like, well, you know, here's a mom mm-hmm. with two kids. She's working a job that maybe pays 12, 13 bucks now. Okay, maybe it's minimum wage now, 15 in LA County. But rent keeps going up. All of a sudden rent goes up and now she can't afford rent. Right. She has a job. She has two kids. She's able to provide food. She can't have a place to stay because rent is too damn high. Mm-hmm. She's on the streets. So they come down to the rescue mission for shelter for the kids. She can pay for everything except rent. Yeah. I, start, I think we're starting to see a lot of that type of thing happening here, especially like in L.A., uh, where people just can't afford living arrangements or the cost of living goes up and they're not getting the cost of living increases. And so they're completely capable and they just can't make it because they're already working two jobs. Mm-hmm. They're working two jobs or a single parent with multiple kids or even one kid working two jobs and they still can't make ends meet because the cost of living is up. And so who are we to sit there and judge people because we don't know their circumstances? Go get another job. She's already working two jobs. Right. She's already working 80 hours a week. Right. You can't afford rent. You can't afford a place to stay. And so I think we have to get away from judging. And so now to get to your question is how do we help those people? You know, I think it's it's more difficult to help family than anything else because of that a family dynamic of expectation. Mm-hmm. Family expects us to help them. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I guess, the way in which that, that help is being received. If it's appreciative, if it's... Uh, trying to get improvement, um, if it's, um, you know, whatever the case may be, as opposed to, like I said, enabling, it's expected, it's demanded, there's no, I, I'm going to try to get it back to you, there's no, nothing like that, you know. Um, and that's hard. The family thing is hard to do because um, you just, you know, family sometimes can take advantage of family members and it's difficult. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, whenever I decide, and you make up your own mind on how you do with you helping people. But for me, whenever I decide to help somebody, I expect nothing in return. If I give money, I'm not expecting it to be returned. If they want to return it and pay you pay you back, mm-hmm. hey, great, fine. I think that's res- responsible and good on their part. But if they don't want to and they can't or whatever, I don't expect it because I'm not doing it for the return. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it for you know, the, the payback. But what if it's a good thing for them to learn responsibility and accountability to, um, learn to pay that money back? Because that's part of the way that the world works. Like if you, if you are, um, if we want to live, you know, in a house and have groceries and, and a car and insurance and all the expenses that comes from living, we have to learn to pay our way, right. you know, to make that happen. I understand that there are certain circumstances that make that difficult mm-hmm. because of where we live, but it's really good for people to be accountable. It's really good for people to be responsible for what they're right. they're asking for. No, I think that's I think that's a good thing, but I also think it depends on the circumstance. And I think for the most part, for me, when it comes to the helping aspect, it's more along the lines of people that need it that I'm not. Expecting like I'm not trying to teach them anything, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's just to assist them, you know, mm-hmm. assist them because they're at a down spot in life and they might need a little help. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know times in my radio career because I bounced from town to town and I made like little money in small town, Iowa, that I needed assistance, mm-hmm. you know, I was still able to pay the rent and do all that, but you know, I needed a few extra bucks to get through the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people were like, don't, don't worry about paying me back because you're not in a position to pay me back because mm-hmm. the next month you need the money you'd pay me back to get your groceries for the next month, you know, right. type of thing. Right. So I think, I think maybe my, my process is coming from a little different perspective, mm-hmm. but I would imagine like if you are in a situation where, okay, go back to the, uh, the homeless shelter, the, um, the people are, are, you know, yelling at the homeless people to stay in line, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're expecting them to follow the rules. Mm-hmm. They're expecting them. No, you can't have endless amount of food. You have a plate mm-hmm. and this is what you get because everybody else needs something. So they're expected to have some rules in there. So I think that's okay too. I mean, you know, if you, if you are going to help somebody, it's okay to have rules and expectations from them. Um, and I think that's fine, but it also depends on the circumstance. If you're dealing with somebody that has, you know, um, 
addictive behavior, mm-hmm. then that's a tough call. I don't know what to do, but I'm sure you're going to get to the point where you're probably not going to be able to help them mm-hmm. because they need a change. Um, if you're dealing with a, a young kid, yeah, you want to raise them up so that they learn to have responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's an elder parent, you know, I think about my parents getting older, you know, at some point I'm going to have to take care of them. Or if unfortunately one of them at some point moves on, mm-hmm. you know, and the other one is left behind, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna have to take care of them, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna expect anything back. You know I mean? They gave to me. So no, I don't know. I mean, I maybe I'm just missing the point on what you're saying. Cause I kind of understand it, but I also kind of understand when it's giving you, you give sacrificially and you don't give in return and you don't give to get return. And, um, for me, you know, I know we're talking about it and I've been sharing some stories, but I, I don't, I give in secret. I don't, I don't tell people mm-hmm. what I do. I mean, mm-hmm. like share the story of the drive and maybe the, you know, mm-hmm. the couple bucks at the Taco Bell or whatever, Yeah. but you know, helping other people, it's just a personal thing. And I guess I just try to understand the situation and try to read their situation mm-hmm. and then make a determination based on what I think, you know, yeah. is well, good I guess, for I guess the, the point that I'm trying to get at is that I hear a lot of situations where family members are, um, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of dysfunction and a lot of people um, expect that the help will come, but then they're not responsible with that help. And I think that is where a lot of so tough love. disagreements come in in families and a lot of friendships um, where people are taking advantage. There's a story that I heard from our neighbor where they, both of their kids are adult um, kids and they both needed financial help for different reasons. One um, kid was starting a business. The other one was um, trying to pay back some debt. And the one that was starting a business was very responsible with the, and it was a, it, it was the understanding that it was a loan. It just wasn't, you know, a gift. Um, but they, um, this one was very responsible, you know, paid the money back. The other um, kid didn't, pay the money back, didn't make an attempt to pay the money back. And then the parents were um, upset because they, there was agreed that this was a loan, you know, that it wasn't just a handout. And so, but this other kid that didn't pay the money back was not, um, had a record of not being responsible in the first place. And so in that situation, um, if the person is not responsible in the first place and they're looking for a handout to get bailed out of a situation. And a lot of people will do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will expect you to just because it's family or just because your friends will expect you to bail them out of a situation. And a lot of people will give into that. There was a guy I heard on the radio the other day, the woman was saying, Oh yeah, my husband's in jail and he molested these kids. And he's telling me there was some sort of a, financial um settlement and she and he wanted the financial settlement to go to him to help him get out of jail with his legal team or whatever and the 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 djs were like absolutely not not one penny should go to him like it should go to the victims you know for their support for their well-being but she was literally torn that you know she's well he's going to be mad but they're like of course he's going to be mad and it's but it's my husband but he molested kids like so I think sometimes we think that we're supposed to help people that um, just because of who they are. And and that's where it's, it's, it's part of it is tough love and part of it is boundaries. Like we don't want to be like you have a good heart and I've heard many stories of, of um, things that you've done and I you know applaud you for that. I think that's amazing. But there's another side of relationships where people don't. Uh, like they're not making um, they just can't get out of their own way and they expect handouts and then you get the family members like oh well it's family I have to well no you don't because it's hurting them more than helping and so then that's the question and even like a kid it's like our kids like how much do you help you know they're not working they're not um, there was another um, story a very famous story where two parents this husband and wife went into the psychiatrist office a therapist office and they said, we have a problem. You know, our son has a problem. And and the son wasn't there. It was just the two parents. And the guy says, the therapist like, okay, well, what's wrong with your son? And they said, oh, well, he's in um, Vail skiing right now. And um, the therapist is like, okay, well, that doesn't sound like a problem. And they said, well, it is because um, he's gone to three different colleges. He keeps flunking out and we keep getting him into another college. And then he flunks out again. And um, he's not, you know, working, he's not doing anything with his life. And 
So the therapist is like, well, how did he, if he's not working and he didn't go to school, like, how is it that he's in Vail with his friends? Like, how does that happen? And the parents said, well, you know, we paid for it because his, this whole group of, um, kids were getting together and we didn't want him to miss out because it's like a little reunion thing. And, and so, you know, we wanted him to, you know, go and, you know, have fun. And the therapist was like, your son doesn't, I can't help you with your son. Like he doesn't have a problem. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? He doesn't stay in school. He doesn't work. Like, how does he, and they're like, he's, <coughs> excuse me. He's like, he doesn't have a problem. Like, but I can help you. You have a problem. Mm-hmm. So it's that type yeah, of stuff yeah. that we have to decide when we are helping people. I'm going to grab my water. I guess I just never really kind of been in that situation. Um, so probably that's probably why I don't really have an answer because I've never really been in that type of situation where you're kind of enabling people. But yeah, it makes sense that you know if someone is going to be taking advantage of a situation like that, then yeah, you want to be able to curb that and make them responsible. Um, and yeah, enabling is never a good thing, mm-hmm. you know, enabling in anything, enabling students, enabling, you know, loved ones, enabling the panhandler on the street corner, enabling, you know, anybody is never a good thing. But I also think too, it, um, it's, there's a completely different dynamic when you're dealing with helping somebody that's a stranger versus helping somebody that's a family member, mm. even helping somebody that's a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a different dynamic because like you said, it's one end you're giving, they're receiving most of the time, if it's a stranger, you're not really caring so much how they receive it or what their reaction to the reception of it is because you don't know them. A friend is probably going to be more appreciative of it and going to try to you know, do something, to whether it's pay you back or at least show appreciation or, or you know, at least mm-hmm. acknowledge the fact that you help them. At least in my experience, that's how it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, the family member, yeah, you know, at some point it does become enabling. I mean, <laughs> you think about... Um, was it the Hangover movies and that and that one <laughs> the one kid you know the one the one guy with the the wacky last name that drugs everybody all the time right you know he's completely enabled you know he's sitting there and saying mom where's the you know this and where's the that and you know so yeah I mean at some point there becomes a time where you need to you know cut the cord and make them responsible you know so you can't go to Aspen or Vail or wherever you wanted to go well too bad. Um, if it's, you know, he needs something to eat because he's homeless, well, then that's another story. You know, if, if, the, if the kid is even, I mean, I think it's harder, too, when you deal with, like, drugs, for example, you know, because I've seen some some situations where parents try to help and they do the tough love mm-hmm. and they do the, the the good love and, you know, they're, okay, we're going to help you. No, we're not going to help you. Now we're going to help you. No, we're not going to help you. And they just don't know what to do because the, the response to the tough love or the good love isn't helping and all the addictive person wants is the benefit. Right. So it's it's hard to say, you know, right. it's hard to say. But I think what I would say is that you're going to have to listen to that voice that told you to give the peanuts or <laughs> listen to the voice that's going to tell you whether this is a good <clears throat> thing or a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and then maybe seek counseling, you know, for you, like not not the person that you're helping, but for you. Am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Get advice. I don't mean counseling, go to a shrink, but just get advice from other people. You know, hey, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, should I be doing this? Is there other ways I could be helping them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I so, think if it's yeah, if, it, if it's helping them move forward in a positive way to join life mm-hmm. and to be productive mm-hmm. in life, um, then 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 it's OK. But if it's causing them to be stagnant and to not move forward and it's causing dysfunction in their life or allowing mm-hmm. them to continue to be dysfunctional, then we have to say no. Right. Because because I've been in situations <laughs> where I've helped someone and um, I would like dude, I, I, I think I'm enabling them. Mm-hmm. But they need the help. But then, but here's the thing. In the end, it turned out where, yeah, I was enabling them for a little bit, mm-hmm. but I was keeping them sustained, and they eventually turned their life around. Well, not turned life around, but they eventually caught traction in life and mm-hmm. was able to find a good job, a place to stay, and now they're uh, you know working and and you know they're way better off. I'm thinking if I would have bailed on them, what would have been like? Would he mm-hmm. be worse off? I mean, I don't know. So it's hard to say. So like for me, it just goes to the standpoint of you got to read the situation. You're going to know in your gut what to do and then just do it and don't expect anything in return. And if that does get returned, great. Um, if you make arrangements that maybe someday down the road it'll get returned, great. Uh, you know, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. I think that's up to the individual people, the parties involved. Yeah. I don't know but, that, that getting it returned is the point is, is more as knowing like where that line is. Yeah. 
I think that's where people struggle mm-hmm. is knowing like they they feel bad saying no. Mm-hmm. And so it keeps them in this perpetual state of helping when it's actually hurting them. It's making the situation worse. And yeah. I know at work, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of people who will um, pick up the slack for their coworkers because their coworker isn't isn't doing their job. So then um, this person will come in and do it, kind of clean up the mess. Okay. And they're resentful for doing that. And they're angry at the person because the person's not doing their job. But then this person keeps cleaning up after them. And and so now they're resentful and they're angry. And um, it makes like a, a terrible culture, you know, whether it's at work or whether it's at home, um, because it just breeds a lot of resentment. And so the person has to stop cleaning up after yep. the other person. But we have a hard time doing that because we say, okay, well, the consequence is the work's not going to get done. It's not going to flow. And then we're all going to get in trouble. Okay. So which is better to get in trouble and to highlight the problem and to get to the root of what's really going on or to be resentful and angry and get more and more resentful and angry and ruin, you know, the relationships in the process, like which is, you know, you have to like, and we are so afraid to, to go back and to look at the root and to deal with the actual problem. We just want to keep covering it up and keep helping and, and we're actually making the situation worse. See, the radio business is full of that, where people drop the ball and you have to cover because the show has to go on the air. Right. Um, so I can understand that perspective. Do your own damn job. <laughs> but on the flip side, it's, you know, in the radio business, it's for the common good of the show. Mm-hmm. And I've been fortunate enough to have good working conditions with my coworkers. Yes, you. And so we work together as a team. They cover my inadequacies. I cover them. So again, this is a unique dynamic. But yeah, there's been other times where like you need a spot that is missing, a commercial that's mm-hmm. missing. And so you go try to track down whoever's supposed to do it. And it's the wrong one. And there's been times where I'm like, okay, this production manager, yeah, eh, screw him. I'm not going to help. And the commercial doesn't get played. Right. Oh, I like that guy. He's a good, cool guy. So I'm going to cover for him. Mm-hmm. But then you go tell him, hey, dude, you kind of messed up here. And he's yeah. like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, so I guess for me, my perspective in the radio business is one, be nice to the producers. <laughs> Shit runs downhill. But then two, it's also like, you know, most of the time they're going to be um, accepting or take responsibility for it, you know, because we've had people, and I know you know some of the people I'm talking about, they've messed up big time. But we've had a cover for them, and then we just let them know, and then like, oh, I'm so sorry, mm-hmm. because sometimes it happens. Things right. start to look up. But if it becomes problematic, then like for a couple people in the radio business, I've come across where they just are poor workers, mm-hmm. and they just f up all the time, and then we just let them die. Right. You know, you just yeah, here's a you know, we've done with the life ropes, you know, throwing you the lifelines. You're on your own, and you right. sink or swim, and they don't, you know, they sink because they can't cut it. Right. So I think it's a fine line, but I think again, it goes back to each person has to decide for themselves what they want to do what they think is good, uh, what they think is enabling or not. And then sometimes, you know, it might require somebody on the outside maybe stepping in being like, hey, you know what you're doing? You probably isn't the best. Like there was a guy in Iowa, I mean, uh, Nebraska. He he was a morning show guy. And the news guy was uh, new to our station. And he wanted to be the morning DJ, but he was the news guy. He didn't like doing news. And he was taking more and more and more uh, airtime away from the morning DJ. Mm. So I went to the guy and said, hey, dude, this guy's just buying for your job. He's abusing the situation. He's taking it away. And the morning guy was like, well, I'm just trying to be nice and give him mm-hmm. some airtime and stuff. I'm like, no, dude. So I kind of intervened because yeah. I saw it. And then they opened up the other guy's eyes, the DJ. And he's like, oh, that's true. I see it now. And so he cut the guy off. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, we, we're not even aware of right. what we're doing. And so it's okay if you're on the outside maybe to say something, mm-hmm. too, and be like, hey, you know what? This is what how I see it. Just letting you know do what you want and they might be no or they might be yeah okay i see it too and and change yeah um it's hard because we as society want to help people we as society want people to feel good mm-hmm. we want society to be successful we do try to push people away that we don't think are uh worthy like someone on the street you know we're like look at them and that's the the bag person with the shopping cart full of crap mm-hmm. and they probably haven't showered in forever and so we look the other way because we don't want them to be like oh hey don't ask mm-hmm. me for money um 
you know, because we don't like the negative. You know, we talked about it last podcast, last episode about, um, you know, the performances and so forth and how, you know, the performances went with J-Lo and Shakira. But yet we don't want to understand that sometimes the provocative dancing that we see, um, that there's another side to that, which is, you know, sex trafficking. The Super Bowl had huge sex trafficking and prostitution ran amok and the cities try to crack down. We, we push that to the side. Instead, we hear the headlines of who won the game, how much each Super Bowl ad cost, what's the best Super Bowl, the, the good mm-hmm. part of it. Right. So that's what we like to focus on as humans. And so as we help people, we like to see the good in everybody. And sometimes the good just isn't there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can see it ourselves or sometimes we have to be reminded by somebody else. Um, but ultimately, for me, it goes back to just, you know, what you think you should be doing and how can you do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I've never really been in that position where I've had to um, not help somebody because I felt it was detrimental to them. Mm-hmm. Because I also tried to take a look at the long picture because like I told that story, you know, if I would have gave up on this one guy, even though I felt I was enabling him, he might not have made it to where he is now. And now I maybe enable him a little bit, but he was able to gain traction in life, get a job, get settled, find a place. And now he seems to be doing decent. Mm-hmm. If I gave up on him, I don't know. I mean, so it's, it's hard to say because yeah. I try to look long term. Yeah. You know, how is it going to be in five, 10 years if I help this person out? If you're a family member and you've been helping someone for five, 10 years and it's not working out, okay, well, then maybe it's time to cut the cord. I don't know. It's, it's hard. Family's hard because, you know, we've talked about in podcasts before, you know, my family dynamic. Family's hard. Yeah. But I will always be there for them. Mm-hmm. And if they ever needed anything, I'd be there for them. Yeah. You know, just call me and I'll be there. You yeah. know, if I got that call, you know, in the dead of the night, I'd be there uh, with anybody. So if they squander away all of their money, like purposely, they're not responsible. They squander away all their money. They're going to. Um, I don't know, be homeless or something. And and so what do you... I'll find them a room at the homeless shelter. Like help them in that way maybe. Right. Um, so you wouldn't just like rescue them in a way that... No, 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 like, no. No, helping... I think, those, I think maybe this is what we're missing. Helping and rescuing are two different things. Right. Helping is, okay, you just blew all your money, but now you're homeless. Well, let's find you a place. Yeah. Um, let's find you a plan that can get you back on your feet. Let's find you a job. Mm-hmm. Okay, I might give you a one-time temporary assistance to get you maybe a couple nights in a hotel room or whatever, but that's it, and right. here's the plan. Right. So that, I think, is helping. Right. Even though they messed up, you're helping them because you're trying to find a resolution to their problem and get them on a plan to... You know, right. So helping them doesn't it's, necessarily mean continue on no, the path that they've been no, on. No, it's like, okay, you it's, blew your money. I'm not going to continue to give you money, money, exactly. money, 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 and, and you continue to blow it. Right. That's a different story. That's a di- so right. I think maybe that's the premise that maybe I missed earlier. What you were talking about was helping versus rescuing. Right. It's two different things. And to me, I'm talking about just helping, <clears throat> not necessarily rescuing. Rescuing mm-hmm. may be like a one-time emergency thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, I lost my job or I... I I'm a gambling addict or I'm an addict and I blew out my money and I'm now kicked out of my place. I need help. Okay, I will help you. But and so I will rescue you in that moment. But I'm not going to enable you to continue drinking all that. Let's find counsel. Let's find help. Let's let's find other people that are more equipped to help you. Gambling addiction, whatever. Uh, Just throwing out some examples. But let's find people that can help you and get you a game plan to get you back on track and then turn it over to the experts. Right. Because I'm not qualified to help. No, addiction. No, no. And I don't want and to. And I think that we get sucked into helping them because we feel we don't want them to be in their own mess. Right. But sometimes Because then it's also to. a reflection of us, but they, we need to let them be in their own mess. That's the only way. And sometimes, you know, a pig wallows in the mire because pigs don't have sweat glands. Right. And the mud cools, cools them, them down. Off. Yeah. So in case you didn't know that. <laughs> so again, sometimes <laughs> wading in the mire, as the doors say, you know, wallowing in the mire can be a good thing because it might wake them up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just depends. And it goes yeah. back to what I think people have said, the, you know, what people's experience are. If your experience with someone has been a good in helping them and they're appreciative and, the, and you see the, the future outcome. Um, you know, it's just, I think it's just an individualized thing. And the main thing we have to keep in mind is a don't dehumanize people because of it, mm-hmm. no matter what it is the, the person that had all the money that blew it mm-hmm. or the person on the street that has mm-hmm. nothing, don't dehumanize them. They are human mm-hmm. um, Two, do what you think is best, you know, that you're willing to do. Don't put yourself in a bind helping them. If you can le- legitimately help them, right. Don't put yourself in trouble to right. help someone else. You got to take care of yourself first. Um, and then kind of go from there um, right. and see what it is. And then don't be afraid to seek help. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's been times where, uh, like that one guy I was telling you about, I had to, hey, 
can you help me help this guy? Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's up? I tell the story like, okay, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help him anymore because I kind of extended myself. Now I got other people to help. Right. And that kind of, and again, we didn't give up on the guy and he turned his life around and he's doing pretty good now. Um, so sometimes I might seek help yeah, with help. So, yeah. So it's hard. Yeah. We definitely have to do that. Sometimes it's hard because you, um, you know, there's a lot of people that will come into the church looking for a handout and I know our church will say, okay, but let's get you into Financial Peace University. Let's get you into classes. Let's get you into things that will help you get your life back yep. together. And they don't want any part of that. They just want the handout. Yep. And there's so many people who think that they're helping by giving them the handout. They'll give them clothes. They'll give them money. They'll give them all this stuff. And then they're disillusioned because that person doesn't appreciate it because they don't. Uh, they just blow everything. And then they're right back being needy again. And it's exhausting to help somebody you know, with groceries every week and financial every week. And it's like, well, but you're not helping them in a way you're giving them a fish, but you're not teaching them how to fish. And so it's doing a lot more damage to both of you than if you would, like you said, help them get, sometimes we think the help is in the moment, you know, the, the food or the clothes, but a lot of times help is let me help you learn how to take care of yourself. Let me help you learn how to manage your money so that you're not in this perpetual situation. Yeah, giving the rescue the plan to succeed. Yeah, and they don't, a lot of people don't want that. Um, they just want the handout, and then the people helping them continue to give the handout, and then they're exhausted and disillusioned, and, and then they don't want to help anybody. Like, oh, they just don't appreciate Well, yeah. you really, I mean, we have to be discerning. We have to have discernment on who to help um, and, and the type of help that they need that's best for them to move forward rather than just stay in there. Hmm. you know, situation. Final thoughts. I think that was my that was our thought. thought. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we just have to be better at boundaries, better at discerning, better at, um, you know, be cheerful givers, but not, not just expecting that everybody is going to handle it the same way. We have to have discernment in when we're helping. Yeah. Two steps ahead podcast highlighting the shit we've been in. So you don't have to, Instagram at Edom Rocks, E I D E M R O C K S. Also, Two Steps Ahead Podcast Instagram. You can uh, find our shows there on IGTV. You can also find us on YouTube if you want to watch on YouTube the videos. The shows are on SoundCloud. Link is in my bio. I think it's also on the Two Steps Ahead Podcast bio. But you can also uh, go to Spotify, Pandora, iHeartMedia, all the major platforms to listen to the show. It's Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Don't forget the podcast. Otherwise, you might get something else. (laughs) Instagram? I am at uh, Tara Hoke Shiro, T-A-R-A-H-O-K-E-S-C-H-I-R-O. Hey, so how about that hundred bucks? No. Damn. Don't go to her help. <laughs> she won't help you. She's jaded. I'm not helping. Jaded. <laughs> Anyways, uh, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Do tell a friend. Uh, until next time, you guys have a great one. We'll see you down the road here on Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Thanks, guys. Have a good day.